These lyrics are powerful. <coughs> Open my eyes to things unseen. There's a lot of things unseen. A lot of things going on we have no idea about. Things going on right beside you, around you right now, that is not seen to your human eyes. Show me how to love like you have loved me. <laughs> it's kind of a motto here. Do you know how much you're loved? Are you able to love as you have been loved? Many of us are still in the stage of receiving that love. Coming to believe we truly are loved. And that is a beautiful place to be and stay. For it will be Jesus who pulls you to the next stage of growth. Where that love is acted out in a very profound way to others. Which is the expression of Christ. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Whew. You sure you want to pray that? You sure you want to sing that? Because if he reveals to you the things that breaks his heart, oh my goodness, your eyes for everybody will change. How you see the world around you, how you see circumstances will completely change. Today's message is on that very picture of who Christ is. Last week we've been talking about prayer and how it's not about the method of prayer, but the heart of prayer. And we start to look at the heart of Jesus and what was it that drove him to pray. And that whole idea of a broken heart, what breaks his, we're going to talk about that today again. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. Hosanna, Hosanna. This past week on Tuesday, I had the privilege of standing in front of a memorial. A memorial that represents 3,000 people suddenly killed. Happened to go to New York City with my daughter Avery. It was a phenomenal time. Very fast-paced, go there and come back. But here I'm watching these waterfalls representing the two locations of the Twin Towers. It's a double waterfall. And people from all around the world are there. I met a few of them. Because you have to, if you want a selfie with your own kid, it's really hard to do this. And so we had people take pictures and we took other people's pictures and it was a trip. Uh, this one couple from Germany, a father and daughter, imagine that. Um, were taking pictures, so I offered to take their picture, and we began to chat, and it's the first time they had seen this. We've heard about it. Our kids, our teens, they were like one and two when it all happened, so for them, it's not going to be nearly as impactful. It's just another story of war, like in our history books. You go to school, take your history class, oh, World War I, bad. World War II, ooh, better equipment, but bad. You know, like, it, it's no deep impact I know where I was when 9-11 happened. I know exactly where I stood. I was in the foyer of a friend's house, and the news was on, and there it was happening. The rest of that day I spent at home, glued to a television. I don't know who took care of the kids, but Lori did. Um, <laughs> yep. What was that? What? Remember, inside voice stays inside. <laughs> So standing at these two locations of history was powerful. And then looking up at the Freedom Tower, a brand new building designed to say we're strong and you know what, that's what America does. 
you know, we're strong. And somehow the church is bought into the same lie. Oh, we got to be strong. You're not called to be strong. You're called to be weak. So that the strength of Christ will be your strength. In and of yourself, you have none. Oh, wait a minute. You actually do. But where you draw that strength from is self-made and will not last. I see that when it comes to grief all the time. I see families that have dealt with loss, loved one. And this little lie creeps out of the mouth of a dear left behind person. I need to be strong. I need to be strong for everybody. No, you don't. Here's some Kleenex. Weep. Cry hard. Tears are important. And guys, we're, we're probably the worst. You know, we just, we don't let out our emotions. First of all, we don't know how to safely express our emotions. Okay, guys are generally not as good at it. Women are far more free and have learned better. Unless you've had pain in your life. Unless there have been unsafe circumstances in your life where you've not been able to express your emotions because it's been thrown back in your face and now it's not safe anymore. And enough of those stories and circumstances can make you calloused to learn how to feel. Jesus came to feel and experience humanity. He was fully God and fully man, experiencing humanity in every facet. He learned how to feel the emotions. Do you think when he was being whipped, he felt it? Or did the God thing come out and, didn't feel that, try again? <laughs> no. His humanity was in pain. His emotions and ability to connect with people was his gift to us. I think we're paralyzed in the Western world. We have this English idea of conservatism where it's, you don't express a certain way. And some people take that too far and they think they have to express everything to everybody. Like, that's, that's not good either. <laughs> there are some social rules. <laughs> but the idea to feel and connect with people, you and I have been created for connectivity. Every single one of us why do you think couples are drawn to each other? Oh, because she's hot or he's hot. No, that's part of it. That's nice. But there is an internal desire for connection. To be wanted, to be loved, to have a safe place. Jesus is your safe place. When your human experiences fail you. That doesn't mean there are aren't good stories and people around that we can learn from. There are. But if you happen to be one of the wounded and can't find that safety, Jesus is your safety. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Jesus saw people. He saw their pain. And he felt for them. I think we're too quickly to uh, um, look over people's situations and not feel for their pain. Standing and looking at these, these two empty plots where these towers were, 
I, I kind of looked up thinking, how big were they? And I looked over at the Freedom Tower, so well, at least two of those. It was huge. Just to stop and ponder. And all the people that have lost loved ones. All those that have had to deal with trauma. Those that were injured. It's not just those who died. It's those who are left behind, which is many more fold than that. Those helpers who came who were damaged and hurt from all the things they saw and experienced. Do we feel or do we turn the channel? I want to take a look at how Jesus felt. That he had a heart for people. And if you feel your personality or your thinking is not a heart for people, that it's callous towards that, then let me tell you the real you that you can't see then has a heart for people. You've been created to have a heart for people. To connect, to feel, to love, and to care. Because that is how God made you. That is your union with him. The mysterious oneness that we all have with Christ. It's that new nature where all this authentic connection and love flows from. That's the source. And if you look anywhere else for a source of connection, it will fail you. It will. Let's take a look at what Jesus has done here. In Matthew 6, oops, that's not true. That's Luke 19. I forgot to correct that. Luke 19. Let's take a look at this. I didn't realize the whole chapter was pretty, pretty much a picture of the heart of Jesus and how he, how he sees others in a very real way. So Luke 19, let's go there. This is a story of obviously Zacchaeus. Here is a man who everybody hates. He is the guy who's gone to the garden to eat worms. And then he realized, hmm, these actually taste pretty good. As in the money. And he got sucked into the lie that he could live a rejected life. And he might as well profit from it. And everyone hated him for it. So here comes Jesus walking along. He sees people. He's with people. He's in a crowd. He's enjoying fellowship with individuals that need healing and who just want to hang out with the Jesus guy. They're doing all this stuff. And looks up. Hey, shorty. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> said, hey, what's up? What's up? Yeah, what's up? Luke 19. Okay, I've got to get there. Hang on. Here we go. He entered Jericho. And was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. And was unable because of the crowd. For he was, a small, he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him. For he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. I'm coming for dinner. You know, that's, that's basically what he's saying. I'm coming to eat. Hope you got something good on. The food wasn't the issue. The physical food. The fellowship food is what he was offering to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was so hungry that in his mind, he thought he would have to serve Jesus. And he did. He thought he would have to provide the food, which is fine. 
but he didn't know the hunger that was in him, the hunger that drove him to climb the tree in the first place, that was God drawing him to Jesus. And then he was going to eat from the bread of life. He was going to sup with the one who will not judge him. Jesus saw a man who was an outcast, a man who was hated, mostly because he was a tax collector, and that a chief tax collector. So he not only ripped off people, but he ripped off those who were also ripping off others. So he was doubling up on the money. He just becomes so cold and calloused to feeling people's needs. In fact, Zacchaeus would take money from people who almost had nothing left and not care. Even though they're destitute. Even though it was their last meal, he would take the money. That's what tax collectors did. They just ground and dug and they took whatever they could get to make it a burden. His heart was cold. And yet, his connection with Jesus changed everything. Did Jesus preach to him and say, well, you should stop doing those things because they are not what I'm about. You know, you should be nice to people. You know, no, that's not at all what Jesus did. Do you know what Jesus did? Hung out with him. The proximity to Jesus showed Zacchaeus he could trust him. And what it did, it unlocked the heart of compassion that was already there. The proximity to Jesus. Do you know what Jesus has done? He set a whole group of people right here with the same hearts. The heart of compassion to reach out. To love others. Every single one of us have been given that gift. A proximity to Christ. First of all, his proximity is in us. Right? That's where he is. But the more our minds recognize that and connect with him, the more that heart will open and will become compassionate for others. We won't be self-seeking. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. <laughs> Nice. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And I have, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. Wow. For the Son of God, sorry, the Son of Man, listen carefully, this is it. The Son of Man has come... To seek and to save that which is lost. Think about that for a minute. He's not come to save those that are saved. <laughs> He's come to save and seek for those who are lost. Has anybody ever lost a pet? A dog, usually. They're the wanderers. You've lost the dog. Whose dog is it? It's yours, right? Okay, but it's lost. It took off. I remember that happened to us growing up, and uh, our dog hardly ever got off the leash, but one time he was gone, and it took us a whole day to find him. 
Um, and he was a biter. So <laughs> we had to find him fast. It was hard. You know? And if he bit anybody, we didn't know about it. So. <laughs> but it was lost. It was our dog. And as soon as we saw it, we recognized, oh, that's our dog. And brought him home. We were happy about it and everything. But the dog was ours. It had an owner. The lost have an owner. Every single one of us have been created by whom? God. Does everybody believe in God? No. Nevertheless, the fact is we have all been created by God. Children of God. The Apostle Paul dealt with that on Mars Hill. We're not getting into that one today. We've already talked about that one a lot. But Jesus came to meet Zacchaeus, a man who was lost. He was a son, but he was lost. He was blind, and now he sees. No sermon convinced him. It was spirit to spirit that spoke to him. The spirit of Christ spoke into his spirit. That's where the transformation began. And boom, out comes the gifts of generosity. Funny how that is the mark of authentic faith. Generosity. Hmm. Hmm. Think. Just imagine that for a minute. Is it hitting anybody? It's big. The story gets better. John 11. Another awesome one. John 11. Let's go there. Lazarus. Another picture of Jesus seeing the heart of people. First, with Zacchaeus, he saw his heart. He saw hunger. Here, he sees people grieving. And grieving who? His best friend, Lazarus. Well, not best friend, but good family friend, known. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany in the village, Mary and his, her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, to whom you love is sick. That's a nice way to be known. The one you love is sick. We don't talk like that today, do we? Well, we should but when Jesus heard this, he said, The sickness is not the end in death. It is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Stop for a minute. The man Jesus, how could he have known that? It was his Father in heaven. As he was abiding in the Father, his Father revealed to him what was going to happen. Therefore, he spoke these words. Remember, he was fully man, but he did not live out of his deity. He lived out of his humanity and had to rely on his heavenly Father moment by moment, instant by instant, at all times. It's a powerful image. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place. Now, most people, if they have to rush home because somebody's really sick or dying or injured, you get off your butt and you go right away, get the fastest plane ticket to wherever you got to go because there's an emergency, right? <laughs> what does Jesus do? 
Oh, let's add on two more days. <coughs> See how they like that? You know, like it sends a message. It doesn't make sense, but that's what he did. Because God showed him that he was going to be doing something. I don't know how much he knew, but that's how it worked. So, after this, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? You see, his life was in jeopardy. They were physically trying to kill Jesus. And things are about to get worse here. Much worse. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, does he not stumble because he sees the light of, the, of this world? But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And he said this, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of the sleep. He knew what he was going to do, and he told them what he was going to do. Never caught that before. That's pretty cool. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. <laughs> so Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. You're not getting it. He's dead. Dead, dead, dead. Okay, got it. He's dead. Not asleep, dead. Since you're not getting it, he's dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let's also go, that we may die with him. What? Okay. He needs some meds. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in his tomb for four days. Something's wrong with this little picture, and it ain't fish. It's, it is like bad, okay? Now the tomb was now sealed, so the smell wasn't getting out. But anything inside there, nasty, all right? But here Jesus comes along, and he has the door opened. Before he does that, though, the people are weeping. They're crying. They're wailing. And here, uh, in our Western English, we don't wail and weep like they do there, okay? Here it's tears and it's quiet. There it's, it's wailing and chanting out loud. Uh, I've been a part of a couple Greek services, uh, funeral services. Whew. They are not tame. <laughs> they're, they're loud. And in fact, loved ones throw themselves onto the casket as it goes down, okay? Like they're very expressive, Okay? Stuff like that was going on here. They're very, very upset. And it says he got angry, but I don't understand why. I can't, it doesn't tell us. But he says he got angry. But he also wept. Okay? He wept. He felt their pain. He felt the anguish of loss by being with them. How can you not sense the pain of somebody who's just lost somebody? I think last week I buried a two-month-old. How can you not feel when you're sitting there and hearing the anguish and the tears and the red eyes and the everything? Even if you didn't know them, you feel because you're human. Some of us are really good at backing away from feelings. We've got it all figured out how to cover them up so we don't have to feel quite as much. You've been created to feel. And Jesus felt 
Come and see. And then Jesus wept. Then he does this. Out loud. We talked about this last week briefly. Out loud he says. Looked up to heaven. Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud. For the sake of all these here standing. So they'll believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes. Now, I'm wondering how, because he's bound. I don't know. I'd love to have seen it. <laughs> but he's, he's alive. But didn't Jesus say he was dead? He was dead, and now he's alive. Jesus felt. And guess what happened right after this? The religious leaders who were following saw all this happen. And not only were they after Jesus' life, they wanted to take out Lazarus too because it was an undeniable miracle. One day dead is bad. It's like the princess bride. He's mostly dead. You know? No. This is fully dead. Yeah, some of you will get it. Those who laugh the hardest get it. Four days, not one, four days to make sure he's really, 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 really dead, smelly dead. So without a doubt, he's dead. So when he wakes up to life, everybody knows, wow, something has transpired without a doubt. That's why they wanted to take out Lazarus too. So two people on the hit list, Jesus and Lazarus, for the rest of the time. Thanks for raising me, Jesus. <laughs> Just think about it. All right, it gets better. Luke 19, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, and we already heard the story of Jesus coming towards Jerusalem and coming down that mountain, and they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. But before that, he does something profound. He looks as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Why? Watch. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. What? Peace is hidden from your eyes. Interesting. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. I am the Messiah and you didn't even recognize me. And yet, look at it, it says hidden from their eyes. How fair is that? Why did he cry? Because he saw into the future something that was coming, a destruction. Just like standing at the Twin Tower locations, you can cry because of what has happened. As it was happening, tears were flowing from many people's eyes because they saw. Here he's crying for what is coming. Looked ahead because he had a heart for people. Very often, the church has become very guilty in all of its programming, especially here in the West. And I've been a part of some bigger churches and groups and denominations, and 
I was trained up to be a church planter, you know, equipped to do all this stuff, and then they write you a certificate, say, here, you're not qualified, whatever that means. And we get so good at programming, and we forget about people. I know how it subtly happens, but as soon as people stop being the focus, our eyes are not on ministry. They're on building something. Today, I encourage you to revisit who this Jesus is you say you believe in. Don't go studying all the miracles and stuff and, and the teachings. That's all good and important, but look for his heart. Who is he? What made him attractive? Obviously not his exterior. It was his heart. His love of people. People wanted to be around him. Do people want to be around you? If they don't, there's usually a reason. It's not always deodorant. There's something else going on. That doesn't mean everybody has to be all bubbly people persons. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your spirit recognizing others and seeing the spirit of other people. The Bible says we don't know each other after the flesh anymore, as in by our behavioral patterns is not how we know each other. Okay? We know each other by spirit. However, careful. Some people will then write off, well, then don't look at the, spirit, the, uh, the history. Don't look at the, at the flesh patterns. Well, there is room for that because if you have a certain pattern and it does not change, then we can see a pattern looking back. Say, here, here is an Achilles heel. Here is a thorn in your side. Here is an activity you're relying on apart from Christ. And when you clean that up, or it gets cleaned up by Christ in you, and you happen to resort back to it once in a while, you can recognize, hey, that has been a pattern in my life. And the ones who walk with you and love you and see you for who you really are, they're safe to share these things with. So that we become more and more the people we've been created to be. People who connect, people who love, people who are loved Jesus came because the world did not know God loved them. Taking a look at the whole Old Testament pictures, you'll find some pictures of love. It's great. But the stories show an angry God. That he, you have to walk around eggshells around him. He can be ticked off so easily. The scriptures itself says it's not true. He's slow to anger, but no, we, we, we only use that when things are good. <laughs> Jesus came to reveal the Father because he knew that our blindness was hindering us from receiving his love. And now Jesus come, has come in the fullness of the Trinity, three in one, gave his life to take away that blindness and all the things that caused the blindness. So you are now free. Our job is today is to declare the freedom. I want to read something for you in closing. I saw this this morning by Francois Dutrois. He wrote the, the Mirror Bible. Would you say that the church in all its many groupings have successfully converted about 10% or even 1% perhaps of the entire human population? While Jesus reveals in Luke 15 that 99 sheep in the fold is not enough, he goes after that last one, not out of a sense of duty until he finally gives up on it, but he seeks until 
He finds the one. The good news is that the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son are now all found safe and sound in Jesus. In him dying humanity's death, he went into the darkness and deepest dungeons of our lostness and led us as trophies on high in his resurrection. His return to the Father is humanity's return. The problem is most people, including most Bible believers, don't know it. This is why we live our lives with persuasion, intent, and passion to tell them. From Isaiah 40, verse 9. Multitudes are in hell on this side of the grave. We have the keys to unlock a door that was already opened when Jesus went there as a man to free the human race from Adam till Noah to now. Wow, what a joy to introduce people to the freedom of sonship. Let's not make another brother in Luke 15 a reference when we, when we can talk and know the Father's heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see the things we can't see. Allow our hearts to break for things that break yours. May we feel the compassion that you have for humanity. And may we learn to love unconditionally all those who desperately need your love and acceptance. May we as a church get rid of all that judgment, the judgment that is a prerequisite to acceptance. But may we love unconditionally after we understand we are unconditionally loved. Thank you, Father. Amen.